We are live here on Mojo Moments, and I am here with Marky Mark Dalinsky. What's up? I'm really excited about our guest today. Well, of course you are, dude, because we are starting our day with a beer. That's true. (laughs) Today, we're having some brew monster maestros. I don't know. What do you call them? Brewer? What do you call people that make beer? I mean, they... Because they're not brewmasters ah, in a technical screw. sense. Yeah, but like, they, well, they, they own a brewery. Yes. They run a brewery. Okay, they run a brewery, people, uh, from uh, <laughs> La Knowlton Co. They, they run a is, brewerist. Yes, well, I'm saying the name of it. Okay, La Knowlton Co. Yeah, La Knowlton Co. Uh, an incredible little brewery that's actually bigger than little, but smaller than big. It's just the right size. From my my favorite little town... In the world, Knowlton, Quebec, and uh, I don't know. Like I think, I think there's something to be said about a local brewery. There's Mojo there. I don't know what it is. We're gonna tap into that. I hope. Uh, the other thing is, I also think there's in this pandemic, there's this whole movement to small towns. There's a lot of people moving out of the cities, and to have this brewery that's named after a town. It's pretty forward-thinking of us. We're connecting some dots, aren't we? <laughs> I think we're connecting some dots. This is just exciting to be able to talk to people who run a brewery. Oh, I, no, we had a different name for them earlier. Brewerists? Brewerists. I like that more. So we're going to have brewerists on board to talk about their mojo. It's a father and son team. And uh, hey, it's Father's Day. So we're going to get the insights. So let's jump on in. Welcome, you guys, to uh, Mojo Moments. Well, thank you yeah. for having us. We're very excited to talk about Latin Olton Co. So. Yes. Well, you know, we are psyched because it's springtime in the air. It's soon time to be barbecuing and cracking the beers. And since you sent us cases and loads of this stuff, we're like set for the summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is how Mark and I get free beers. We. <laughs> I see that you're you're, you're asking us something. Eh? <laughs> anyway, this is super super. Personally, it's a it's a real honor to have you guys on. So so you know the backstory on Mojo Moments. We start this podcast during the COVID. Uh, I think the name speaks for itself. Uh, we felt that the world, or at least us, we needed a little mojo in our lives as we are going into lockdown pandemic life. And so we started this podcast and we've had the opportunity to speak with a range of people, really interesting crew of people out there. But what's fun about you guys is there's a lot of, uh, a lot of passion for me with Knowlton, uh, entrepreneurship, and uh, you guys are brewing some great, great brews. So that's awesome. And on top of it, it's a father and son story and that's that's perfect timing. So, because we're we're doing a father and son special edition with a father and son team. Well, this is Father's Day, right? So this so. is important. So thank you guys. It makes total sense. Well, thank you for having us. It's always uh, it's always uh, fun to talk about what we've been up to for the pro- for the brewery and how it all started. So. It's always uh, it's always a good moment. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in. I like cutting 
down to the real, do you like working together? <laughs> yeah, overall, yes. We have our ups and downs. We have our moments like any. You would have loved but... about 10 minutes ago when we were arguing about something. So uh, yeah, we have our moments. I love working with my dad. I think it's very good. And I think it's uh, built a stronger relationship than uh, I've expected. I was just trying to throw you off your kilter with like hard hitting softball questions that are hard hitting. <laughs> um, it'd be fun. I know, and I've read, and I and uh, Jim, uh, I think you shared the story of you guys uh, starting all this on a uh, father and son road trip across Canada, which is no small feat in and itself. It's a very big country to cross, and you guys essentially went across the country. I think from west coast to east. Am I right? And yeah. So we started from my university and we drove right so across. So where Canada. were you at uni at the time? The whole, at, at UBC. Yeah, so the whole thing started with like uh, I drove back every year basically, and I drive back every year, uh, and I love doing the trip. Uh, and I always had friends doing it with me, but for this particular time, I didn't have anyone to do it, and I was going to do it alone. Uh, and I think my mom probably got nervous more than anything uh, and probably forced my dad to jump jump no. along with us. No. Uh, well, we maybe were... not forced, but encouraged. Uh, and uh, and he came out and we drove across. And... The first day, the first day we didn't get out of Squamish. We stopped at the Blue and Squamish and we didn't get out of, we didn't get out of Squamish. That was, no, that no, was no, but there's start. some responsible yeah. drinking here because you're not driving. So good, yeah. good to you. So when you started this road trip, was there any notion, hey, maybe we'll start a brewery together and we're going to do homework? Or as Mark called it the other day, he's like, was it just a big Canada-wide bender? <laughs> uh, no, no, it was definitely not a bender. We, we talked about it slightly the summer before. Uh, and and uh, um, I hadn't worked at a brewery yet, but we had talked about starting a project in Knowlton and I was very adamant about me living in Knowlton. Um, I think that was one of the things that led us to uh, focusing in on a brewery. Uh, I think my dad also was yeah. looking to change careers. So I just to have some fun and change something up. And as I enter into my, well, this coming year into my 60th. So uh, it was time to have some fun and uh, enjoy and uh, change things up a little bit. So it was how that's and basically it was something I'd been wanting to do for a while, but never could get the uh, the approval from uh, the the, uh, the boss the, of the house, the finance the department, CEO, CFO. And one of my sons wanted to get in, on board with me, and uh, then finally uh, we got the approval. So that's basically how it. Was. And then on on my side, like I was very adamant I wanted to live in Knowlton. I always loved Knowlton. I loved my I loved every moment in Knowlton. So me, it was like okay, how? But I also like business. I like being. I like the idea of being an entrepreneur. I like being the idea of. I also like Bahamas. I like these nice things. So trying to figure out a business that would both bring me the ability to uh, be economically stable and also live where I want to live, um, and and also help Knowlton. One of my big focuses was when I was a kid. I saw like you know there was a Ralph Lauren in Knowlton. There was all these restaurants. Everything was booming. Uh, and then as I got older, I couldn't even get an ice cream cone uh, because there was three ice cream shops and they all shut down because there's way too many. And, you know, there's this like cyclical motion of of economic uh, disparity almost that was coming to Knowlton. Um, and I think as we drove across Canada, it became very clear that no matter what town you would fall on to, 
if they had a brewery, it brought benefit to that town in significant ways. Um, and for us, we, I was looking at us very, very small. Like, you know, I wanted to like almost brew beer on top of a, a stovetop to start with. Um, and then with the ability with my dad, who's a successful entrepreneur, we're able to go again, go for a little bit more of a bigger project, which it fits right into uh, my personality too. I think a small brewery would have been a little bit slow for me. So having a little bit more of a, uh, an action-y vibe is, is awesome. Uh, but I think on our road trip, we well, we did 3,800 kilometers. No, 4,500. Uh, there, there's dad yeah, yeah, bringing in the... <laughs> And uh, and uh, I think we stopped every eight hours. We would stop at a brewery at least uh, to check it out, uh, say hi, see how it started. Uh, there's not many. Surprisingly, I thought we would fall into seeing a lot more uh, family-owned or uh, or like father and son or daughter and son or something like that. But it wasn't. It wasn't. No, like a lot that. of them were buddies. Just but you know, a couple of buddies that home brewed or whatever, and then graduated into a. A bigger brewery and you know, done uh, did things like that, but the the, the common thing in the whole thing was the the every one of them. And if you talk to anybody around the, the reviving of the town that they were in was automatic, and uh, the tourists and everything it just uh, it just became very evident that uh, is what Knowlton what we we needed to do in Knowlton basically. And, so. and- I think it's already kind of shown its uh, lights to Knowlton. Like, I don't want to say that we've, uh, we hit a pandemic and I don't want to say we've motivated other business to open in Knowlton, but there's uh, six months after we opened a beautiful local grocery store opened up uh, really two weeks ago, a beautiful, nice, super quality coffee shop and uh, wild wine, uh, natural wine shop opened up. And so I, it almost like within already a year and a half, we already seen this like, oh, someone's put serious investment into this town with like a new young product. Uh, other people kind of, I don't, obviously I don't want to say surf our wave, but they've, there's Everybody's new things, new things have opened. Everything's been upping their game. And I think it's been, uh, it's been a really cool re- re- revitalization. Uh, I still think that Knowlton needs a few other businesses like a, like a serious ecotourism industry and stuff like that. I'm going to jump in on this because obviously I've, well, I grew up actually deeper in the townships in Lenoxville, uh, which is a college town. Oof. And then, uh, but a lot of my buddies uh, were from Knowlton. So I spent a lot of my high school years in Knowlton and, and saw exactly what you saw, Nick, a lot of lot of good energy in the town and then just kind of slowly decline and my wife and i bought a cottage where we set up and ultimately been going there she's been going there forever and uh probably around the same time you and jim were talking we myself with a few friends that you guys probably know in town we're starting to go like we gotta do something like this is our village and if if no energy is being put into it and maybe I was a bit like in your place, uh, Jim, where I, I just didn't have the wherewithal to to jump in the pool because of my life still very much attached in the city and it just wasn't there yet. And I think the fact that you guys took the lead and sort of triggered that new generation of like, let's bring creativity and entrepreneurship and something fresh into the market uh, definitely 
mattered. You know, someone had to take the lead on that. And you guys did that. Yeah. And I think it was very adamant. Like we had looked at starting a brewery in Montreal as well. Uh, and the business case was definitely there for Montreal, but it wasn't necessarily about uh, about starting another brewery in Montreal. The idea of La Nolten Co. was really to to both integrate ourselves in Nolten and bring a little bit more uh, tourism and economic stimulation to the town. Uh, and that's why we carry the name with pride. And that's yeah. why it's our center of our brand. Uh, if we're in Montreal, I would have never called it Montreal Brewing or anything like that because it's just it, it doesn't have anything to do with Montreal itself. Knowlton, I was so in-depth with the idea that this is – it's a project for us, but it's a project I'm hoping to help Knowlton. Uh, our beers are in like you know 240 different locations. Yeah, it's like branded Quebec. content can, for the town. you know. Like So one of the things that we've done with our branding, we wanted our branding to be super flexible and, and, and our beer to be very flexible. We see that uh, for merchants and everything that the uh, the the key is not necessarily uh, like having volume of certain products. They're, the key is just variation. They want the newest thing. They want it all the time. And so we built a base of recipes that were very very flexible um, with a brewery uh, with a brewmaster that was very fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, he's left us to go start a brewery in Montreal. Uh, start a pizza place in Montreal, uh, but. His base recipes were fantastic, and we're, and we're just creating, we're we're just being creative on top of it. Um, one of the biggest efforts when it came into our brewery was the branding. We worked hardcore on the branding, um, and and we think we we hit it pretty good. Uh, we worked with a pretty big branding uh, agency in Montreal. Unfortunately, not the right one, I think, but it's the right one for the end of our results. But uh, but. Um, but yeah, we worked really hard with them, and now we've taken the the level to brand uh, the with illustrations and branding to a whole other level. We work with so many different artists. We we have such a nice layout that's so um, what is it called comprehensible and and exchangeable between artists that we can just work with anyone. But no matter what, you see the can, you know it's La Nolten Co. Even if it's a wacky art versus it's just the structure, the layout of information on our can. So yeah, how did you guys settle on that creative direction? Because like it's it's a beautiful illustration style. It's got this triptych, uh, three panel, tri- like old school comic style. But then, but then everyone is unique. It's beautiful. I don't know. I think I always had an eye uh, eye for branding and an eye for design. Uh, I'm not a very good illustrator myself or an artist myself. But that doesn't mean you you know what. It, you know, it looks good. good. Sharing information, what looks good, right? Yeah. So uh, one of the big things I did was I, I went to a lot of breweries and and um, I went to a lot of beer stores and breweries and I looked at cans. And some of the things I hated was first, I would take things that caught my eye, put them in my basket. Fantastic. I got home and I'm like, oh, wait, this is a, a session a session Russian black stout or something, you know, something that made no sense yeah. because the, the, the type of beer was – nowhere to be seen on the can it mm-hmm. was back on the label or something so one of the first things i actually decided was like the, the type of beer must be the top thing we see on the can yeah. not so that we don't have a naming we don't have a name we don't name our beers anything we we just say what the hell is in the yeah. can english yeah. porter you know english porter cara cara uh wheat ale uh you got the cherry milkshake right there it's the yeah first i do the can is right on the top it's easy drinking uh easy consuming of the type of beer. So, you know, you're on the shelf, you can see exactly what it is. You can skip over it after. Then we got a ni- nice, nice. And the t-shirt. Oh, oh yeah. I need the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the next thing basically was I needed a uh, something that's very digestible as an illustration, um, but something that it's an eye catch. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Van and Co. I think is is a, such a nice long name, easy reading, um, and it's also we we t- it took a typography that's very clear and concise, but it's traditional on its sharpness and whatnot. Um, and and its spacing is very nice. So we did a very logical uh, algorithm of of information. Then when we got to the the we started designing cans without three panels, a bunch of different things, uh, just s- single character. Nah, nah, nah. But I was always coming back to this idea that the art style should look like a comic. Um, and then finally, one of the designers we were working with, he goes, "Why don't we make it a comic? Why don't we make it a very simple, you know?" if you look at the basis of a story starting middle end, right? Yeah. He goes, let's just play with that idea and let's lock the, the end panel in the idea that you should always be sharing a beer, sharing a Knowlton co cause it's, it's easy drinking and it's, it's always the end of the story. Then it came about when we, when we started looking at this, then they're like, wait, we need a, a slogan. So we started working on slogans and we finalized on la vie, la bière douce, which is, Life is rough, beer is smooth, uh, meaning like no matter what is thrown at you, whatever shit is thrown at you during the day, uh, you can easily just grab a beer at the end of the day and it should all just kind of brush off your shoulder and grab it should be relaxed. Yeah. At the end of the day. yeah mm-hmm. That's an important factor right there is Nolten Co. And so that's how we kind of came about this. And, and if you look at our stories, they're all kind of they're always a, a little bit of rude, rudeness that happens in it, meaning like something rude that happens. Like this one has a farmer stepping on on a rake with his farmer lady stepping on a rake and then they're still sharing a beer because they're they're happy together uh like the cherry one you have over there is two cherries walking together one cherry slips falls in a blender but he becomes a, a cherry milkshake and his cherry f- girlfriend is there to sh- cheer cheers a beer with him <laughs> and anyway. mine's mine the english porter so, is some good old rugby but some head gets yeah. knocked off but the headless dude is still happy sharing a beer yeah, and I, and some people thought that was a, like a, like a little too aggressive and too graphic, but I don't know. I for me, if you're drinking an English porter, you've probably played rugby before or no rugby, and and it's it's normal. Like I've played games where I've had my head ripped off almost, but I afterwards I give the guy who ripped my head off a big old hug and we go have a beer, you know. Uh, and so it's it, well, that was actually one of the first stories <laughs> we came up with. It was. The, story for the english porter and it was the the idea that for me the, that was one of the big like a big influence was the idea of my rugby career was you know you play as hard as you can but after the game you always you try to be friends with the team that you're playing with um and and so that kind of influenced a lot of the decision making behind this um and so it was, it's a it's a cool balance the branding we, we couldn't be any happier with we the we actually ended up winning uh, like a gold medal for this branding in Canada for uh, marketing and packaging, the use of slogan and packaging design. Um, and it, and it's very fun. And, and now we've been able to just, you know, work with any artist we want, give them the layout, tell them they have three panels, do whatever the hell you want. So we've had abstract artists do a panel for us. We've had uh, well-known comic book artists. We had a guy who does SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, uh, storyline do a do a series for us uh he does the session the session ddh uh oat cream can for us and it's a rock star he's a punk artist at the same time 
Uh, and so we we get this like flexibility of working with whoever we whomever. But we the want. storytelling it always has uh, to be your stories in three parts. There's a structure. Yeah, some of them are very clear. I mean, like the the abstract one he refers to. I still don't. Get I had a lady. But, I had a lady explain it all, and it sold very well. Yeah. So, and I had a lady explain to me exactly the story, and I I agreed. Uh, but I have a hard time following the story, but supposedly it's very clear to the people that can, can consume abstract. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, what I love is that you, you, you know, in Mark will appreciate this. Uh, he's a creative director here at cloud and he, uh, you know, often people think that, you know, for creative, you want to have a completely clean canvas. Actually tightening it down as tight as possible. Your brief generate some of the best yeah. creative output and ideas and it's so it's yeah. such a great insight that you you got to that we probably created three or four brands uh while we're working this and i find every brand that we did come up with was a very 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 much a functional brand that could have easily done very well on the shelf but we ended up with this because it was the most for me the most digestible the easiest going but we did as you said you do slowly focus in your vision um, but we started with like the key questions, like what are the things that for me, it's what are the things that bother you about the packaging in your industry? I mean, the number one was just not knowing what was in the can. Yeah. Um, and, and I really, I also didn't really care about who brewed it. Me, it's more, I'm more, more concerned with what's in the can. Give me an eye catcher. And then, oh, that's the brewery. Okay, cool. Fantastic. Um, I think you could probably delete our name, uh, like, just white out our name and put it on a shelf and people will start recognizing it's Latin Old and Co. because of the digestibility and the style that we're doing. Um, that's another benefit also is like eventually maybe we can start exhaling the name. But I also like the um, the juxtaposition that happens with this like funky art versus like this really crisp, light, nice writing Latin Old and Co. Very simple. Yeah, the hierarchy of all the elements is really nice. And it's really well balanced, presumably like the beer that I will drink in two months when I can finally drink again. The naming concept is extremely difficult too. When you have to name a beer all the time and you're coming out with 20 odd beers a year and you got to come up with a name, you look at it and you see names and you say, what does that have to do with the beer? And it, unless you were the the brewer or the guy that came up with the name is probably sitting there laughing because he's ah oh, I came up with this great name but nobody knows yeah no one understands, understands. Yeah. these days when you go into uh, the shops and you have all the microbreweries and the selection is you can't make it hard for people <laughs> no. like at a certain point I'm drawn to something now help me translate this is this what I want to buy yeah 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 and so my my biggest concern was is this what I want to buy? Because uh, I think that you can consume a can just on its color and its its original design from far, easy. But then when you pick it up in your hand, is it going to go in your basket or not in your basket? And for me, find those vital pieces of information. The hierarchy, as you said, is very, very important. Um, and we looked at naming conventions. I think we came up, I think we like had a list of different naming conventions. Like, do we go with like, Local mayors that used to be in Nolton, local parks, we you know, that, but street names. Close. That would be it's too, too local. Too local you know? yeah. We had some great names, mind you, yeah. but, but it just wasn't. But it just wouldn't be consumed throughout North, uh, throughout Quebec, right? Um, and then I have a, one of my favorite breweries uh, in in Canada is Backcountry Brewing. It's in Squamish, and they have a really cool naming convention. Basically, these guys are all 
I don't know, I guess they're between 30 and 50 years old, these guys. And they, they just take slogans from classic movies, switch one or two words up and put it on there. But they're all movies that, you know, that, you know, the, the slogan, they switch one word and, and it makes it clean, crisp. Their can design is very simple, colorful, very hierarchy in, in order as well. Uh, but they have a really cool naming convention. But again, when you go look for what type of beer it is, it's hidden there, but it's there. It's hidden, but it's there. And so those are the things that I was like, can we come up with a naming convention? And that naming convention gives them a, an onslaught of videos to make and branding to make because they just recreate the scene in the movie and, and produce it. And it's it's always hilarious. It's, fan, it's really well done. But yeah. but again, for me, I sometimes I got lost in the translation of, am I drinking, like, am I about to buy a stout or am I about to buy an IPA? You know, and then I find, read it on the can. Oh, it's an IPA. Okay, that's fantastic. And we also have the, the the issue of bilingualism. It's a, it's the color and richness of our. I would like to say it's not an issue; it's a benefit here. I want to go back on something that you guys said earlier uh, on your road trip, uh, where essentially your big insight when you met a lot of these buddies, mainly saying we got to launch a brewery to almost reboot our towns because there there has been a big there was for a period there where a lot of rural towns and villages were losing their their mojo um yeah. yeah what why why does a brewery and what's your thought of why does a brewery create or re-inject mojo in these towns like what is it about a brewery that it's bringing mojo uh it's an attraction because just about everybody likes beer um, and so it's an attraction to bring people in. People want to come and see. A lot of people were disappointed when they saw the outside of our industrial-looking building, but it was done on purpose until they came inside, and then they said, "Wow, this is pretty spectacular." I think a good um, uh, a good example of a brewery that like really did do a change for me was a uh, it's a brewery in Timmins, Timmins, Ontario. I don't know, you it's know, it's a mining is, town, or like, was a mining town. Yeah, tiny. Yeah, it's the mining town. And it used to be a big gold town in, in Canada. It's a big mining town. Those mines started shutting down uh, and and it, it was struggling there. And a couple of the guys came together and they started a brewery called Full Beer Brewing. And it's just a couple of buddies, one Australian buddy that uh, that started the brewery. And they wanted something that gave a, a new, new freshness to the town, uh, gave a place to meet up for those people that were looking for something new. Um, and then it also just, it, it also creates this like this ecosystem of tourism. You know, if you're, if you go to a town, they have a microbrewery. We, there's people that do tourism for just beers, right? And S3 is becoming a, an amazing place for it. You come to a, a, the Eastern townships, uh, you can go to, what is it? 20 breweries in, in a few days. And they're, and they're within uh, two hours of each other. Um, and, and it makes this like, we're, we're pulling from the Vermont crowd. Vermont, you can go to every town. There's a brewery. Yeah, at least one. At least one. And it becomes this like cult uh, group that like goes around trying to try the next beer, try to have fun. You're, um, you're so right on that. You just made me flash because the reason why my family ended up in the Eastern Townships in Lennoxville was my dad, billion years ago, it seems, uh, was in the... Uh, uh, manufacturing space of plastics. Okay. Long story short, he ended up running a small plastics factory in Cookshire, Quebec. So, you know, as you're heading out towards Lac Meganic, uh, yeah. it's really 
a small town with no tourist purpose, no offense to the people of Crookshire. Uh, my dad decided to settle the family in Lennoxville, just thought it was a better place for the family to be set up, but he would drive back and forth to Crookshire. And then last year when you guys, uh, was it last year you guys launched? Anyway, yeah, it was last year. November, yeah, yeah. so um, I was talking to someone in the village, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is so exciting!" And and there's a great, another great brewery over in Cookshire, and I'm like, "You've been to Cookshire?" He's like, "Yeah, because they have this really great little brewery over there." It's like, well, there's. A, I read an article one before starting this, and when we were going through all the permit process, which was a, a bit of a pain in itself. Um, there was an article that I presented to the town when I was going through the whole thing. The mayor of, um, of, of Cookshire, actually, uh, no, Quaticook, mayor of Quaticook, wrote an article in a magazine saying that any town that does not already have a bylaw set up for a local brewery should already pre-okay it, have it already in their bylaws so that they're ready when the guy comes to open it up and not make it, not make it difficult for him to do. And uh, so I presented that to them and they said, yeah, well, we never thought of it, but yeah, you're right. So yeah, the people, the towns are realizing the importance and what it does to, uh, to a town. And it's uh, also, it's also like a local good that can be consumed really easily. Um, beer, right? Uh, you brew it there, you know, it's the people that are brewing it there and, and you consume it on a local basis. We're going a little bit bigger. We're in, to, we're spread out through Quebec now because we want to be a little bit bigger than your corner, corner brewery. Uh, but, but it gives a, a like an, a physical good that you can be proud of, of your, of producing your local town. Now there's the localization of everything. Uh, and you have local markets and you have your local, uh, local co-ops that produce really amazing stuff. Um, and, and you can get those local goods in your hands and, and taste them and eat them, uh, but on a on a different scale. You know, it's a, your local farm is not necessarily huge, and they can get uh, get a mass amount of population feeding on it. Eventually, I'm hoping that it gets there. But it's easy to make a couple thousand beers and and have a lot of people consume it on a local scale. You know, um, and so it's that like. It's that like kind of fun local buyership style. So. You guys earlier were talking about Knowlton and, and bringing, you know, it's it's growing the city. So have you guys seen that that sort of exodus of people from Montreal moving into Knowlton recently? And how do you see that changing the demographics and 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 the people who are coming into your your brewery these days? Yeah, I mean that's it's huge right now. Uh, whether that'll maintain, but there's been so many people that have decided that they're uh, going to be down here, you know, three days or four days a week uh, from Montreal. They've given up and they moved into a, an apartment in Montreal, sold their big house and wherever, and they moved down. Um, as long, I, I think they 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 want to have a good place to have a good beer and a good meal, and I and so. You, the crowd is, has changed a little bit. I mean, we, obviously, we've been open and closed, open and closed, open and closed. So it's, a, it's been a difficult uh, situation for us. I want to jump into that. Uh, father and son mojo, okay? Starting a business together, working together. Let us in on that. Is it, is it what you thought it would be, working together? I, I'm going to start and I'll let him jump in. Nick is uh, number three son of, of a family of four. So I have... I have two older sons that are 14 months apart, then Nick two years, and then my daughter two years after Nick. Um, uh, obviously, uh, I spent a lot of time, I did spend a lot of time with oh, all spent- of them, but I spent a lot of time with the two older ones. 
because the two younger ones were at home, blah, 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 blah. And I was at hockey. I was running all over the place. And da, 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 da. And Nick wasn't a hockey player. He was a rugby player, a big rugby player. My two brothers are Irish yeah. twins, right? So yeah. they play in the same – they could have been in the same school year. Yeah. But they happened not to be. But they played all the sports teams they could play together, right? So someone needed to drive them to their hockey tournaments. And someone needed to stay home with the two other kids. So I spent a lot more time with my mom as a, as a kid. Yeah. Uh, but we definitely had our fair share of, of, yeah. of time. It's not like my dad was neglecting me. No, you don't seem not neglected. No, no, but it was – and then we had a, we had a family thing that, uh, my, that we started when the kids were young. When they graduated from grade 6 into grade 7 – they get to go on a trip with their parents or with one of their, with parents. One of their parents. So Alain, my wife, went with the two older ones because she felt that it was she was more distant from those two. Not that we were distant, but a little more distance than those two. And I went with the two younger ones. So that was the first trip. Nick wanted, wanted to go to... Uh, we went to, to Normandy because I was a big, uh, big uh, World War II uh world war ii uh like historian like i did a project when i was in kit uh, uh, in grade six about it and wanted to see like the the, the normandy i wanted to see the different war, war war scenes there so we went there and we toured paris and went through france and that's I where he had his first wait wait, wait wait <laughs> so you were you were 11 or 12 years old <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a cafe ordered a, my dad said if you if they bring it to you you can have it and I definitely have a big mug, I have yeah, a big, big pint a big uh big pint of it and there's a photo of me drinking it. I'm not sure if I got through it, but I ordered it and it came to the table. Uh and I remember it's in a small cafe in France or something that, in Paris that we uh, had it. Um and then we did the whole tour and uh, and we had fun and and definitely I remember like stopping, seeing a couple, like maybe not a couple local breweries, but definitely every time we had a cafe, my dad would have a beer, you know, it was, it was always part of it. Um, and I'm, I always try, try to like remember back. It's easy to like make connections when you like look back instead of like looking forward. And so, you know, beer was always part of the natural nature of our family. We were pretty lax on drinking rules in our family. You know, if we could buy it, we can drink it. Uh, but uh, but as long as it was at home in a controlled manner, uh, if I got caught at a if I got caught at a friend's house or at a park with a beer, oh, I I would get in trouble like uh, like it was uh, it was not very permitted, right? Uh, but at home, it was always a casual thing that we all, we had. By the age of fifteen, we had a, a keg on tap in our house all the time. <laughs> um, so like it was always there. Um, and we, we also did an Irish. We did an Irish golf trip. I took the I took the three boys on it, which pissed my daughter off. Excuse my <laughs> language, but I took. She plays golf, but I uh, and I don't. But I took <laughs> on a on a Irish golf trip organized through Bruno. So I had all the insights and everything. But we set a record uh, oh, for yeah. the amount of most amount of Guinness ever drank after a round of golf. At the what was it? Dublin? Royal Dublin. Royal Dublin. And I and I only heard that story because I was sitting back at Bruno about um, three no four years later, three years later, with a bunch of Scotsmen. Scotsmen, and they said, "Who's the guy from?" Apparently, there's a guy. There's a member here in Bruno that set the record for the most amount of of, <laughs> of Guinness drinking. The uh, the guy we were drinking was was the president of the Royal Ancient Golf Association. Jeez. And we drank, we drank him and his son and his two other <laughs> who were playing golf with us. We must have drank, I don't know, 25 
Guinness in about three <laughs> I and a half hours. I think it was hours. 20 yeah. each. What I love about that is that it, there's a couple of things I love, but the fact that you, you just don't think of Guinness, you know, when you think of like Canadian beers, those are like after sport pounders, but Guinness, you know, you don't yeah. pound Guinnesses, you know, but you guys did. Uh, you're in the right mood. If you're in Dublin, if you're in Dublin, you're drinking Guinness. Yeah, you're in the right place, the right. And so the, the the story went from Ireland to Scotland, yeah. back to Montreal <laughs> to be told that yeah. Montreal dinner to be heard. And I said us. I have to know that guy. That was me. Hey, for the record, now, Jim, <laughs> we're gonna have to put this under the explicit category, of the podcast, because you said uh, no. We swear all the time in this podcast, so it's good. Okay, yeah. so but back. Okay, let's get back to the working relationship. Yeah, let's let's get into that a little. Uh well, it's 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 a little bit different than our our because uh, we're different positions, right? My dad is more of a uh, big big thinker, less of active everyday decisions, uh, and I'm definitely I'm at the brewery every single day. I'm uh, I'm not to say my dad doesn't uh, breathe, eat, and die the brewery, but I'm there every single day and I'm operating it. My dad is there, you know, twice a week, two days a week. Um, in and out. Uh, he's there to help for whatever we need. Uh, big decisions we always do together. I'm very open on everything. Um, but there's certain things we I see that my dad doesn't see and that we, we definitely butt heads on because I'm trying to do what's the best for like service and for my staff versus what's necessarily best for the economics of the business. Meaning like, let's just open the floodgates and let it happen versus like, Oh, let's do a little bit more restrictive. My staff is complaining already. Maybe we should try to work with that vibe, you know? And so those definitely, we definitely have those butt head moments, uh, but we are both very strong headed and both uh, tempered individuals. I am the, I am the son of my dad. Right. And so expected to have uh, very similar reactions in scenarios. Uh, it's just unfortunate. We react sometimes in the same, same way to each other, because uh, we're a little bit of hot-headed individuals. Hot-headed, and we're both big crybabies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Less of a crybaby. My dad definitely big uh, crybaby. He's, a bit of he's a cried lady. about four times during this podcast. Been like, <laughs> you seriously? You guys are well. That's that's great. Uh, and so yeah, there's definitely those moments of like, okay, yeah, uh, but would I would would I still be at the brewery if, if Jim wasn't my dad? Yes. There's you know there's no none of those issues that it pertains that oh I'm only a son I'm staying here you know. Uh, I love every moment of it and I love arguing like the arguing of it is good for the business good for us uh, and as long as we're always able to say hi in the morning and say good morning and that I love you uh, it's very very important so, so and, when uh, you, when you do family our, dinners and stuff like because you have this strong bond because of brewery like are you able to s- compartmentalize it or is it always seeping in start, we were talking about it all the time yeah, but all we never. But we, in our family, we're all entrepreneurs, right? Basically, yeah. all entrepreneurs. We're all in business. And everybody. so to have a to have dinner, not talking about different business or or money or doing this, is not very natural for us. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's very normal for us to have a lot, like have dinner and casually talk about the affairs of the day or the affairs of coming and blah, blah, blah. and my brothers jump in. They're very knowledgeable on on a lot of things. Uh, and having their opinions op- uh, at the t- table are very, very warranted. Uh, my mother is actually our accountant right now. She's probably the like highest qualified uh, bookkeeper <laughs> possible. 
she's never done bookkeeping. She's a CA, but she's never done bookkeeping. She's not a bookkeeper, but she's doing it but for me. Because, yeah. uh, because, you know, with pandemic and everything, trying to find someone to replace her and going through the whole headaches, it didn't really make sense. So she's doing it. But her wrath of knowledge also has helped us guide us in, in better ways as well. A little and, bit and, of a tampon between the two, the two of us too. Yeah, a little, a little bit of a cushion between us because it was getting heated <laughs> at some points, but that's that's fine. Um, and and uh, and again, like we're normal. Like in our family, it, it could have been it could have been any of my 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 brothers that started a business with my dad. Like he is. You're in, you're invested with my brother's business in yeah, Montreal, which is a medical yeah. a medical company, but that company is not. Uh, it's not the size of uh, it's not the size of a small local brewery. It's it, he's got you know thirty odd partners and and it's uh, it's much bigger than than the brewery is for the time being. Yeah, but you're going to change um, that. Yeah. So one of the things we do is called the rabbit hole five. So we go we throw five questions that sometimes get answered quickly and sometimes we end up down a rabbit hole. Uh, we throw these yeah. in just to uh, keep our our all our listeners worldwide entertained so <laughs> mark you want to lead off who's leading off today yeah i'll lead off so um can you guys pick a favorite beer that is not your own favorite beer that's not my own uh give me two seconds i'm gonna come up with one i drank quite a few beers <laughs> I, I spent my weekend drinking other people's beer to, to uh come up with stuff um I'm gonna say I my my latest favorite beer to drink that's not my own would be La Bière de Table from La Ferme in Shefford. Nice. All right. And for me, it's a very easy question. Question uh, I've mentioned them before. Backcountry Brewing. They make some amazing products. Uh, but when I left there, their their Galaxy IPA had just come off the shelf, and it is I still crave it. I can't get it here. Uh, but it's uh, it's definitely one of my favorite uh, favorite beers, and they bring like a really East Coast vibe to the West Coast. Uh, opposite with us, we bring some nice traditional West Coast beers and traditional English beers to the East Coast. Us, so so my rabbit hole question: If you could brew only one of your beers, so because we know you have a range, but you you could only choose one that you had to go with, which one would it be? I would say uh, to keep my father-in-law happy, it would have to be the cream ale. This is his favorite beer. He brings it to, he doesn't bring wine to any of his friends anymore. He brings a case of 24 cream ale to all his friends. Every time he goes to one of his friend's house, instead of bringing a Chateau Lafitte, he brings a, a case of two for from the Nolton Co. So I would have to go with the cream ale just to keep my father-in-law happy. And uh, I'm not going to comply with the mass markets here, but uh, my favorite beer is the one that you're drinking there, Thane, the, uh, yeah. the, the English Porter. For me, I find it a perfectly refreshing beer. It's a dark beer. I think it's uh, it's also very different than uh, traditional porter, porters in Quebec. It's, you know, it's not syrupy. It's super light. It's very drinking. accessible because um, actually porter sometimes can feel... Yeah, porters can be scary, right? But uh, but yeah. for some reason in Quebec, we've fallen under this idea that a porter is like a thick syrup with a big, thick head on it. Um, but the idea of an actual porter came from England, which is an after-work beer. It's a bottom-of-barrel beer, basically. It's all the old grain that they just throw it into a batch and they make a beer. Uh, and it was always like an after-work thirst quencher that was actually at room temperature, no carbonation, things like that. 
Uh, and so we wanted to bring that like juiciness, easy drinking vibe back to a porter, which I think we successfully have done. It's got a little bit of fruity in it. It's got a little bit of caramel. It's, it's, it's a nice, fun beer. Nice. So. Mark, you're up. Yeah. All right. So if you were to start up another brewery, another, another home base for Knowlton Co., where would be the, the second location? Yeah. Oh, it, go ahead. We've had a lot of interest. We've, so. had, we've had some interest. So. <laughs> I've had about five different towns reach out to see if we wanted yeah. to like do a cupicadi, yeah, like yeah, a beer. Yeah. We've had Eastman. We've had uh, the latest one. We had a guy actually this week is the closest one that we we actually might would be uh, Saint you Okay. I don't know if we should beep that out, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Saint John. Uh, and, and no, for me, like I've always had the idea of uh, starting other breweries throughout the world, potentially, but always bringing a different vibe. Uh, I think the next brewery that we need to do is is uh, is a wild funk house, like really fun beer, uh, more the style of like Dunham, where it's like these wild uh, beers, flavors, you know, sours, saisons on a different level. Actually. Yeah. Into, oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. There yes. it goes. And we, there's a brewery there, and they're doing their best, but they need some help. And there we so, go. Yeah, I would at least bring my it's, recipes. It's possible. Recipes Is this more because you want to escape and, and, the winter sometimes? Is that? Yeah, but I want good beer. I want to have yeah. good beer when I'm there. But like, it wasn't just for the pandemic. I think we would have seen a lot of bigger moves by Lanolt & Co. I think the, the business uh, has is done well during the pandemic, but it's definitely uh, not done as well as we anticipated. Uh, and, uh, uh, well, the wow, reception locally. in, locally right. reception is, but it's the restaurant. Yeah. You know, the restaurant not being open. Our, our consumption on, on a grander scale is there, but without the consumption on location, we couldn't necessarily increase our production uh, threefold in our first year, you know. Um, but we're, we're, we're getting there. Uh, but I think you're going to see Len Olten Co. Uh, knock heavy on, on doors and, and ask them uh, to be partners or start other things. Um, I, I definitely want to do a logger house. I think there's no one just doing a straight logger house. You know, just you don't come here for anything except for beautiful, crisp, like classic loggers. Um, and, and these things can be set up anywhere. Um, and, and that's the beauty. Uh, and eventually I would love to start up other, like take La Co idea and go start a small brewery for uh, whatever town in Quebec, whatever town in Ontario, uh, if they want us to come in and do that. Because a very important thing about setting up a local brewery is the local buyership. So it has to be the, the locals that want it to happen. And we'd obviously let the locals run it, but we'd be there on a financial and a and a business sense be behind them, but I wouldn't necessarily grow it to the same scale that we're trying yeah, yeah. to bring Knowlton Co. Right? Uh, we want Knowlton Co. to be an, uh, a regularly found beer in people's homes throughout Quebec, and I'm, I'm hoping Ontario one day. But I'm hoping that we can take a small blueprint of what we're doing and bring it to other places. Um, but that yeah. is one step at a time. You know, I'm talking in the next five years. I'm talking about yeah, yeah no, it's here, exciting so. though. I, I would love to get into hard alcohol. Me, I really want to get into distilling. I find the distilling industry in Quebec is super restricted. Obviously, it's it's uh, the SAQ has such hard a hard grasp on it, uh, but it's slowly opening up. Uh, and and there there's a lot of uh, you go to the Quebec section. There's a lot of distilleries that are doing fantastic jobs, but there's also a lot of disguised distilleries in Quebec, meaning they're buying uh, alcohol from Ontario and they're f- flavoring it for themselves. Uh, and then bottling it for me that's like the opposite of what i want to do i would love to produce every every 
drip of a hard alcohol that goes into a can. And I also want to do like uh, aged whiskeys. You know, I want to really get into the whiskey game. And then if we're in a, into beer and, and hard alcohol, we might as well have a vineyard somewhere. <laughs> um, and so so we're, I think you're going to need mom to step in soon and do a little math on all this right now. <laughs> the empire is how the empire grows. I oh, fuck. Yes. Okay. Here's a question. Number four in the rabbit hole. If you could have a beer with anyone living or not, who would that beer be with? That's a good question. I have, I have two right off my head. Like, obviously, I would love to have a beer with my grandfather that I never had a beer with, uh, with uh, Papa, uh, Charles, Charles Allen. He's a surgeon from Montreal, and he lived in Moncton, never really had the opportunity to drink a beer with him. Uh, and so I would love to have a beer with him, to give him my beer and see how he goes. And he was a super educated, educated individual, so I'm sure he would have all types of notes and all types of uh, commentary. Uh, but then uh, obviously on a on a different level, I would love to have like the classic beer with Winston Churchill yeah. or something like that. Uh, you know, Winston Churchill in this in the fifty in the forties when he's dealing with the whole shit of Hitler and everything. Like, I would have loved to see how uh, Papa could have given me all that. that information. Yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> Just drinking with my Papa might have given me enough information about that. And yeah. so, I'd have to go with the sport. I'm going to go the sports route. I think. Yeah, definitely. He's going to say like a Morris uh, Richard or. A, I mean, I've had. A, a I've, hot, had I've had a beer with some big guys like uh, Dickie Moore. I've had a beer with him, and I would do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, some of the best beer I ever had was drinking a beer in a bus with Wally with, Weir. With Wally really? Weir. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know who Wally Weir is, but he's a he's, he's an ex fighter from the Nordiques. Nordiques, and he's the first one to tell you that. And uh, he's got great stories, great guy, and just. Well, I just wondered why were you in a bus having a beer? Or like hockey, the tournament I go to in yeah. Brunswick every year, World Hockey Championships. So he, his two sons are really, really good hockey players. So we convinced them to come, and he came and played with the old guys while he played with the, my team, and uh, the oh. two young ones played with the with the younger guys. A few yeah. weeks ago, I looked into into my pond, and Wally's just fishing in my pond. Just brought himself to Knowlton and started fishing my pond. <laughs> Great guy. I mean, no problem. You want to have a finish on a funny note. We have this little house in New Brunswick. Oh, okay, God. It's called the Logger Mansion. It's a thousand square feet. I've been going there for 15 years. We bought it with five guys. $27,000 mortgage. We took out a mortgage. Five guys. I just paid it off last October. It finished. We got finished paying it off. We have a bar. We have a bar in there. And we go there once a year. For five days, we get there on a Wednesday night. We're there till Sunday for the World Pond Hockey Championships, and we sleep twenty-two people in a thousand square feet. We have we have eleven we have eleven bunk beds, <laughs> and uh, we go down on a bus from Montreal, and we have a blast. So that's so any of those. I'd have a beer with any of those guys anytime. Any, anywhere, it sounds any like you place. don't need any heating in that log cabin with that many people. <laughs> no, no, no. So, Mark, no, you had the no. honor. The last. No, dude. No, no you did. It's your question, I'm letting man. you do it because you're having a baby. So you can. <laughs> so the, the, the question we add, add at the end of all these podcasts is, what is the advice you would give your 17-year-old self? Usually this is Thane's way of stealing advice to give to his own 17-year-old child. But what, what would you t- teach yourself? You know, at this point, Jim, did you did you give that advice to Nick? Uh, did I give that advice to Nick? I don't know, but the, the <laughs> advice I would give to any seventeen year old, depending on what they want to do in life, 
it's a it's a different it's a it's a hard question to to answer. But uh, if it's a business question, if we're talking business here, I would say um, learn how to count. So become an accountant. Don't have to be an accountant, but learn how to count. And the rest you're able to you're able to make it go. Um, be creative um, and just friggin' enjoy life. I mean, life is too short. That's the one thing I can say as a, as a 60 year old, as it's going faster and faster, because it does get faster. I just tell you all, it gets faster every year, it gets faster. <laughs> you heard from your father? Well, I'm telling you now, it gets faster every friggin' year, it gets faster. Uh, so yeah, enjoy life and uh, take a and breath once in a while. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, life is is short, and it is it is gonna. You know, so for me, it's short. a it's a classic quote, and it's something that I've always heard, and it's it's something I actually always repeated to myself when I was seventeen. So it's maybe not to go back and tell myself that, but uh, my first thing is always try to find something that you love, like wake, like want to wake up, get to it, do it, and that's it. Uh, it should be it should be your life. I shouldn't necessarily take over it, but it, it, it should be something you wake up and you want to do. That was Papa's quote. Uh, Papa's and that was, goal was do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. So I'm sure that's been so, uh, said many times, but uh, but it is something that I, I, I've always kind of lived by. Uh, other than that, for my 17-year-old self, uh, I'd say uh, stay, stay your course. Uh, you're going to do it. Uh, maybe the counting thing wouldn't be a bad idea, <laughs> uh, but again, but again, it, it's just numbers. If you do something really passionate and do it something really, really well, it's all, it, it or you can hire your out. mom, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or you hire your mom and she whips you into shape. That is all. Hey guys, this has go. been awesome. I really appreciate you guys jumping in on this, uh, well, anytime. We love yeah. this. So. Oh, it's fun. And Mark, uh, you're going to have your baby soon, and then you'll be able to crack. God, I'm so, I want them so bad. I've been staring at them this entire time. Number one, Mark? That's uh, number two. Number two? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, guys, thank cool. you so much. Uh, we wish you uh, continued great empire building. And I look forward to uh, seeing you guys in Knowlton and hopefully – Hopefully uh, yeah, back well, in the restaurant. Uh, oh, next Friday, couple we're, weeks. Uh, terrace is open on next Friday. We're not inside, but there we'll be able to serve outside. So it'll be that's a big, 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 uh, big move. Hopefully it'll continue. Hopefully we won't have any backlash. Get vaccinated. Yeah, I got my first jab. Yes. Yeah, you guys all jabbed up. Yeah, we're all jabbed. Yeah, my first one too. Okay, yeah. guys, right. thank you so much. Keep it going. Awesome. Take care, man. Bye. Ciao. Thanks a lot. Dude, we got to get up there. Dude, I do get up there. Well, you do. You you live up there in your spare time. We we have two missions on we need to accomplish, which is going to do a running thing at some point. Yep. And you got to come down to Knowlton. We got to hang out on the back terrace, the Knowlton and Co., tell you it's it's beautiful it's uh and 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 it's so true that the the mojo they brought into the town has added a spark to the town and it's a huge insight for me you know when we talked about their canada tour to said like essentially these breweries popped up 
mainly because people want to bring Mojo back into their their towns. Well, that's it. It's a great way for like you know you and your friends. You like beer. You want to hang out and work together. It's it's an amazing way to do that where you live, where you grew up, or where you want to set your roots or whatever. It's it's a wonderful thing to do. And I'm one of those people who definitely every time I go anywhere. I'm looking for the local microbrew. What's up? What's new? What's from here? I want to try it. I want to taste everything. It's somewhat of an expensive hobby, but no, hey. but you know, yeah, I remember he- hearing years ago, but someone uh, maybe it was on a podcast. I don't know what it was, but it, it was talking about luxury and and actually how much is so much, you know, luxury being the big logo and all that. But what the guy said that was really insightful. He said luxury is often the true sense of luxury is. Provenance was the word. So provenance, where something comes from. And when when something's been crafted well and it comes from some place, and so you connect it to place with great craftsmanship, it ha- it takes on a whole level meaning. And and he said that in his view is true luxury when when those two those things come together. And, and I think that's what's happening with you know breweries. Um because there's a there's a place and then and then you're tasting it there so it triggers a whole bunch of memories of that place and there's a warmth and maybe the alcohol gives you a little fuzzy feeling whatever but there's something about that i never really thought of that angle man yeah that sort of multiplier effect where it's, it, they're greater than the sum of their parts and it's true I, that element is sort of like terroir there is an experience there's an authenticity that comes with it it's magic so the other thing i want to just point out in our poor listenership doesn't get to see the beautiful can so you can google it go take a look at the cans online and uh the the effort uh they put into the creativity of their cans and and the visuals have been brought to life and and poor you you know mark you've 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 made your career from the creative side of writing and on these cans is very little writing it's all about pictures uh <laughs> no but it's it's exactly what it's exactly what nick said it's like you don't need to be an art artist to understand the beauty of something and you know i'm not necessarily an art director by trade but i understand the the brilliance of the structure within the the triptych how the artists are given the 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 free reign to design in their style but it's still based on a three-part story beginning middle and end the hierarchy of elements it's beautiful it's a very well structured beer in my opinion your opinion is golden just looking at it from your the outside opinions golden man so i just need to taste so it here's now. here here's the thing this is what we're going to do once you get out of the fog of newborn baby and you feel you're entitled to do a little voyage. <laughs> it's only an hour. A little voyage. It's only an hour or so from Montreal. Let's get you out. That's right. I'm going to set up on that patio and just stay there all day. We don't want you driving home after that. No, I'll sleep in the parking no, dude, lot. I'll have you over to the house, man. You can sleep <laughs> in your car at my house. <laughs> you can sleep in the driveway <laughs> at my house. No, this is how I roll. I'm generous like that. So, look, thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you, Mark. Thank you to Jim and Nick. Thank you, Noah, who makes sure we make these things happen. And delivers beer to us first thing in the morning. drinking beer on the cast. And thank you, Chris Vellin, for your mojo tunes. See you next time. Bye.